welcome. Welcome to the porch on Firefall Talk Radio. I'm Richard Grund. This is where we get back to basics, the red letter basics of the Lord, studying the Word of God, focusing on the Book of Acts Church to see how they served the Lord and to follow their example. We take a deeper look into their service to the kingdom of God because our desire has always been to find and restore the priesthood of the believer and regain the world-shaking influence that the early church had. By digging deeper into Scripture, finding out its content and the context in which it was written, we find the church the Lord intended, not the one that man created, because the church age is not over. What happened in the upper room is as much for today as it was on the day of Pentecost. And if you know that there's more to your spiritual walk with Yeshua, with Jesus, the Messiah, and you want more, then you're welcome to join us on this journey as we get back to basics. If you have any questions, go to firefalltalkradio.com, use the contact button, or email us at the porch at firefalltalkradio.com. If you'd like to support us, and we hope that you will, on the main page for firefalltalkradio.com, towards the bottom, there are multiple ways to do so. If you need more information, just reach out to us. We'll be glad to give it. We appreciate your support and encouragement. Welcome to all of our listeners from the various streaming platforms. Make sure you subscribe to us there when you know, so you'll know when a new episode of The Porch goes up. Thank you for being a part of The Porch. If you need prayer, you want to pray for others, just let us know. We'll plug you in. Make sure you find us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Newsletter went out this week. If you didn't get it, let us know. First check to see if it went into the spam or the junk folder. Make sure you make uh, the email address attached to the newsletter an accepted one. But if you didn't get it, let us know. We'll send it out to you. Aerial support. Each and every week, I tell you, getting crazy, and it is pretty crazy right now for me, for the team, for Firefall, for the porch. So we appreciate your support and your prayer. Starting out with praise reports. Well, first of all, I praise them for you, that you are here with us tonight, and we can talk about his word, and we can get to know it together. Praise him for my salvation, which allows me to do that for him with him, to live a life with him, that he gave me back my family. I'm so thankful I praise him for that, for the love, the grace, and the mercy that offered me the ability to accept his payment for my sins. Praise him for my home, for my wife, my family, my furry kids. Everything that I have comes from him. Praise him for his protection over us, his ministry, for you. For the, Like I said, I, I really appreciate you. you. If you don't know that, some of you interact with me in emails, and you encourage me, and, and um, I, I'm thankful for that. Thank you. I praise him for his healing virtues that are always available to us. Remember, we walk by faith and not by sight. I praise him for the freedom in this country right now, so far, to praise him for everything, to be vocal and public about my faith and my walk with him, being a new, renewed spirit man that he gave to me. So I thank him and praise him for that. I praise him for the fact that I believe he's coming soon. The signs of the times tell me that the king is coming. 
All creation groans for the return of the king, and so do we. So I praise him for the coming kingdom, for the new Jerusalem, and all that goes with it. I also praise him for the two Israeli hostages that were rescued, still too many more left behind. So let's pray. Pray for Israel and the peace of Jerusalem. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem, and they prosper who love you. Peace be within your walls, prosperity within your palaces. For the sake of my brethren and companions, I will now say, Peace be within you. Psalm 122, verses 6-8. through 8, I say that to the people of Israel, to the nation of Israel, to the leadership of Israel, and our Jewish brothers and sisters. Prayer for those remaining hostages, for the bodies that are still there so the families can have closure. Uh, for the people of Gaza that are suffering because of this, that the world would care enough to do something about the tyranny of Hamas. I pray for the exposure of all who participated in or supported the attack on October 7th. For the world to care enough about all of this to set them free. Pray for the fatherless and the widows, the innocents, the victims of injustice, the martyrs, those that are being slaughtered for their faith. Pray for divine wholeness, health, and healing in me and my wife and in each and every one of you. We live in a fallen world, and we don't have our redeemed bodies yet. We will, but for now we deal with this world and all that goes with it. So I pray for his healing mercies, for his favor as we get back to our divine design. Protection, inspiration for the remnant who I believe you're a part of, to wake up, to rise up, to answer the call to action, both physically and spiritually, to pray, to be a blessing, to help us to be a blessing to others, to combine our prayers to put the enemy on the run, to shake the kingdom of darkness, to shine a light into the shadows and the darkness, to set the captives free, that that Psalm 91 protection and covering would be over each and every one of us. As we operate efficiently in the calling, seeking the lost, helping the dying, helping those in bondage and destroying the works of the enemy. Father, in the name of Yeshua HaMashiach, your son, we come to you. We boldly approach the throne of grace and mercy, saying, Abba, Father, Papa, God, Daddy. We love you. We need you. We thank you for Yeshua. We thank you for sending him to do what we would never have been able to do so that our sins could be blotted out and we could be restored into right relationship with you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for enduring the pain, the shame, and all that you allowed them to do to you. Thank you for watching over us and sending the Holy Spirit to walk with us and to guide us and to take care of us in everything, to teach us the Word. Thank you for the technology to be able to do that, for all of this that you've given. We praise you for that for our salvation, for our relationship with you. We ask that you inhabit the praises as we praise you now and as we sing and praise you when we're alone, that you would inhabit the praises of your people, that we could have relationship with you, that abiding 
ever-present relationship of the presence of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We ask you to protect the technology. We ask you to bless this word. Let it go forth and do what you need it and desire it to do. Holy Spirit, have your way. Whatever it is you want to do, whatever it is you want to say, we give you the freedom to do that. We don't want to hold you back. And we pray all these things in Yeshua's name. Amen. Lessons are proprietary information, except where noted the information comes from outside sources. Combination of that information, the matter presented, is exclusive, cannot be repeated or used without permission. The date of this broadcast serves as the registered date of the following information. Elie Wiesel was a Romanian-born American writer. He was a professor, political act- activist, Nobel laureate, and most of all, a Holocaust survivor. He wrote 57 books, mostly in French and English, including one called Night, which was based on his experiences as a Jewish prisoner in Auschwitz and Brokenwald concentration camps. He said this, No one is as capable of gratitude as one who has emerged from the kingdom of the night. And while he wasn't talking about what I'm talking about, I totally understand the gratitude of emerging from the kingdom of the night. First Peter two nine, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. He has called you out of the darkness, out of the kingdom of the night, into his marvelous light. That means you made a choice to listen and to respond to the call, to leave that darkness of bondage and suffering. See, that's what he came for. In the synagogue in Nazareth, in Luke 4, he stood up and said, Reading from Isaiah, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, which is jubilee. He sent him to preach. He sent him to heal. He sent him to proclaim, to set people free. After having done all that for you and for me, why would anyone be tempted to walk back into that darkness? Unless, unless of course, it's to rescue someone else in the darkness. Otherwise, why? Why would anybody go back to Egypt? Don't even linger near it. The shadows of this life can envelop you very quickly and become darkness. 
And so many are still fascinated by what goes on in the darkness, and they stay way too close to it. Yes, I I talk about it. I teach about it. I do go into that darkness to rescue people that are lost, to do what the Lord sends me to do on assignment. But I don't linger there. I don't hang out there. I don't find anything fascinating or attractive about it. But so many that claim him as Lord do. In John eight twelve, he says, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. See, if you are following him, you're moving with him. If he's walking, you're walking. If we're walking here, that's what you're doing. You're walking in the light with him. So leave, leave the darkness behind and follow him as a sheep follows their shepherd. We're in a period of time very much like the days of Noah, where he is allowing the darkness to grow in a fallen world. But the loving voice of the Lord calls his children out of the darkness into his light. That's why we do this. That's why I do this. That's why I do what he's called me to do with SRT and and every part of my life is I remember what it was like being in darkness. I remember the price I almost paid for that. But more than that, I remember the price he paid so that I could be free. I'm going to be talking a lot in the book of Ephesians. See, Ephesians was most likely composed or written by Paul while he was in prison in Rome between 60 and 64 A.D. And the letter, though it's titled to the church at Ephesus, it was really intended for all the churches throughout Asia Minor. So it would get spread. It would go from one to the other. But Ephesus was the most important city in Western Asia Minor, which is now Turkey. It was positioned at an intersection of major trade routes in a very significant commercial center. Its harbor opened into the Caister River, which in turn opened into the Aegean Sea. So there was a lot of boat traffic, a lot of commercial traffic. It also was well known for a pagan temple dedicated to the Roman goddess Diana. We see that in Acts 19. And the church pretty much flourished and did pretty well, but they didn't do totally well, as we see from the uh, correction and exhortation, Revelation 2, verses 1 through 7. But they were in a city that was both active and in need of the light of the gospel. It was one of the largest, most impressive cities in the ancient world, a political, religious, and commercial center, as I said, for Asia Minor. The ministries of Paul and Timothy and even the Apostle John, who eventually resettled there after being released from Patmos and died there a natural death, played a significant role in the spread of the gospel. 
they mentioned whether Ephesus and its uh, the people more than 20 times in the New Testament. It was the fourth largest city in the world at the time, had a population of about 250,000. So this is a significant place for a lot of reasons. And as I've said before, it's it's a very paranormal, supernatural city. In Acts 19, we have the story about the sons of Shiva. We have uh, Paul preaching and the people getting converted, burning thousands upon thousands of dollars worth of occult books. We also have the fact that the people got upset about that and tried to get them uh, arrested, and and, uh, there was a riot because the cult of Diana was being financially harmed. That's how you take down principalities, by preaching the gospel, by getting people set free, and getting them to turn their back on the enemy. Go with me to Ephesians 5. By now, your Bible should have been open. Starting with verse 8, we're going to be jumping around. A lot of scriptures, a lot of various things. Um, Hopefully, I'm able to tie it all together. It's going to be a little more serious than it, it has been because the title of this lesson is Divine Disclosure, and we're talking about exposing the darkness. Ephesians 5, starting verse 8. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light, for whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore, he says, Awake, you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Messiah will give you light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Making the very most of your time, buying up each opportunity to do what's right and to shine the light, because the days are dark and evil. Making the time to walk righteously as a witness and a testimony to the reality of the person of Jesus, the Messiah, Yeshua. I said this is called divine disclosure, and we're in a period of that, and it'll occur more and more before his return, because as it gets darker, there's more to expose. And that process has begun. 2 Corinthians 4, starting verse 3, But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, means they can't see whose minds the God of this age, small g, has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Messiah, who is the image of God, should shine on them. For we do not preach ourselves, but Messiah Yeshua the Lord, Adonai, and ourselves your bondservants for Yeshua's sake. 
For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of the darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus the Messiah. Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They're unable to see the glorious light of the good news of the gospel. They don't understand this message about the glory of Messiah, who is the exact likeness of God. They don't want it because they've been tricked. They've been blinded. They've been deceived. 1 John 3, 8 says, He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was God, excuse me, was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. He was brought to light. He was brought out in the open to destroy the works of Hasatan and the fallen. We won't get there tonight, but in Ephesians 6, Paul gives us the ability to do something about it when he starts out in verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Remember, he blinds their eyes. The wiles, the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Darkness is the domain, is the domain of Satan. The shadows, obscurity, it's a place of sin and immorality, a place of dimness both in light and in the people. Darkness is the ignorance of God's way because of the worldly influence of sin. Because what? They've been blinded. The eyes, their their minds, everything they can't see because they're perishing. But there's a light that can call them out. And that light is the presence of God. That light is the light of truth and knowledge. It's spiritual purity that's associated with the person that that light represents. It exposes everything publicly, openly, to the view of everyone. And that light is the power of understanding both moral and spiritual truth. When you are blinded, when you are darkness, when you are living in darkness, your your life reflects it, literally. No light, no morality, no spiritual truth. Because the truth that you think is truth is a lie. That's a tough place to be, and especially to admit that you're wrong. But you have to. It says he calls us out. He doesn't go in, forcibly rip you out. 
He calls you out. You have to choose. And if you're listening, I would assume that you've made that choice. But I have a question. Do you stay a little too close to Egypt? Do you stay a little too close to the shadows, to the darkness? I've heard so many stories of people that got delivered from drinking. Larry shared that his testimony on uh, the Firefall Network. You can't go into the bars. Well, I'm going to go witness. I'll just have one. Uh, That really doesn't work, does it? You can't go back into the darkness like that and dwell. In John 12, 46, the Lord says, I have come as what? Light into the world, that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. Abide is permanent residence. Why would you live in darkness? He's come to set you free. He's come to take you out of the darkness. So what? We're we're no longer in darkness, right? We're living in the light of the gospel because we've been called. We've called out. We've been called to shine. We've been called to reflect him. We've been called to show them him. You know, this weekend the, the Super Bowl had a couple of uh, commercials that I heard re- people write me says, "Wow, Jesus was you know in the commercials, and they were talking about Jesus." And I'm like, I didn't say anything, but the fact is, a couple of those commercials were not only not scriptural; they were deceptive. See, Satan doesn't care if you know who Jesus is; he doesn't even care if you know about the Bible. He cares if you believe it. And he cares what you know. And he will gladly, like he did with Eve, throw in an extra word or a different meaning and just get you slightly off, that one degree off that we're always talking about so that you get lost. Living in the light of the gospel is our calling. You don't know what your calling is. It starts there. For you were once darkness But now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. As a believer, our position has changed from what? From darkness, which is sin, to light, which is righteousness. Therefore, as believers, we should change our walk to correspond to our relationship with him. That means you can't wander back. That means you can't. You know, it just, the Lord says so many things about looking back, going, putting your hand back to the plow, looking back to where you've come from. Especially when you're a new believer, a baby believer, when you're really not strong yet in the Lord. When I first got saved, and anyone who knew me during that time, I had a knee-jerk reaction to anything New Age, anything occult. I threw out thousands of dollars worth of books and crystals. Some were were really rare. The books, I wish I'd just locked them away because I would like now to be able to go back to them. Some of them were classics that I don't think could be found, and I don't even remember what they were, to use as references and research in in our war with the enemy. But at that point, I did what I thought was right. I 
disconnected from anything that would seduce me or pull me back. That's why in Ephesians 4.22, Paul says that you put off concerning your former conduct, the way you were, the things you did, the old man which grows corrupt according to deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. As I said, during that period of time, I had a knee-jerk reaction because I knew I was susceptible both spiritually and genetically to certain things involving the occult. And yes, I had been delivered, but I was still in the sanctification process. Therefore, I had to be very almost fanatical against it. I think I used this example weeks ago, but no one switches on a flashlight in an area that's flooded with sunlight, do they? No. They turn the light on when it gets dark. It's the darkness that made the light necessary. We are the light of the world, and it is necessary right now that we shine. See, the the God from all eternity... He knew, as he said to Nicodemus, that men would choose darkness rather than light. Therefore, he had to bring a light that could not be turned off, could not be diminished, could not be overcome in Yeshua, in Jesus, to shine into that darkness. Like I said, this is very serious because I'm seeing things in the body and in some people on social media that concern me. That they're a little too close to the shadows. That they're sprinkling words into the things they say and do that I know are New Age or occult-based. All it takes is a little leaven to leaven the whole lump. Satan is brilliant in that. He is absolutely, diabolically brilliant. And he will take his time in deceiving you and slowly pushing you in the direction you need to go. I mean, it's really how you set traps if you're a hunter. You you have your main trap that you want the uh, prey to come to, but you have to guide them to it. You have to put things in the path or break things so that they they don't go that way, but they come this way. That's what Satan does. But we have been given the freedom to walk in his light. Remember I said they choose the darkness, John three eighteen through 21. This is him speaking to Nicodemus. He says, he who believes in him, meaning him, is not condemned But who does not believe is condemned already because he or she has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. 
For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. Well, that makes sense. You can do something wrong. You don't want anybody to see it, so let's do it in the shadows. Let's do it in the darkness. But he who does the truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be clearly seen, that they have been done in God. We've allowed the world, and therefore the enemy, to convince us that this light is too bright. Oh, it hurts people's eyes. We need to turn it down. And we wonder why people are floundering around in darkness. People don't need a seeker-friendly gospel. They need a gospel that people seek. They need a freedom that people seek. Well, how can the deeds of darkness be seen if there's no light or the light has been dimmed? And that's what I'm seeing. I'm seeing a church with a mandate, not just sleeping, as Paul told the church in Rome, but they're even turning the light down. Oh, we, we don't want to offend anybody. We don't want to disrupt anybody. We don't want to draw any attention to ourselves. So just tone it down a little. Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins, for the anger of God will fall on all who disobey him. Ephesians 5, starting verse 6. Do not participate in the things these people do. For you were once full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of light. For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. Paul goes on to say, carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Will this please him? Is this please? Should I do this? Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. It is shameful even to talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret. But their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them. For the light that makes everything visible, light makes everything visible, his light. That's why it's said, Awake, O sleeper, rise up from the dead, and Messiah will give you light. You know what? Sin's not a fun thing to talk about. It's really not. It's not something to be ignored either. Sin cannot be excused. It cannot be overlooked. It must be exposed to the light of the gospel. And yes, we must do it in love, but we should never shy away from being able to tell somebody in love the truth. I am here because people cared enough to tell me the truth. So we have to figure out in our life, you individually, us corporately, what pleases the Lord? What makes him happy? Larry and I were talking today about the things that keep us from going back. And I said one of those things is I don't ever want to disappoint him. I don't ever want to feel like something I just did let him down or hurt his heart. I can't. can't. And I know that there have been things that I've done that I look back on, I know I'm forgiven, I know he's you know, he's put it under the blood, 
but I realized that there have been moments I've let him down. So I live to please him. What pleases the Lord? Well, one of the easiest things to tell you is righteous living that glorifies the Father. That's why Paul says, see then that you walk circumspectly, that you walk carefully, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. I mean, I were talking about this today and over the last couple of days we've been on this topic because of some of the things the Lord's been talking to us about. We're in a period of time, and I think I've said this publicly. I've been doing this now for 35 years, almost 36. I came out of darkness, and I've been rescuing people from the darkness. I've been confronting the darkness, and I've been seeing it get darker than it's ever been before except for the days of Noah. I've been seeing the enemy do things that deeply concern me because the church is not prepared. Oh, it thinks it is. You have people up on stage and they think they're rock stars or superstars or whatever. They think they're ready. They won't be. They're armchair generals that have never seen or done anything that I'm talking about. They've never been in the presence of anything that's thousands of years old. And by the way, your body feels their presence, whether you see them or not. And your body feels what they're resonating, the power of the evil that comes from them. And I've seen almost everybody that's experienced that for the first time. Their knees will buckle. uh, Their stomach will do flip-flops. And in some cases, it'll fry their brain. We, uh, Joe will forgive me here, but we've talked about it. It's a running joke on Reflections in the Dark when we did it about looping. We went the first mission we did in Woodbury, Connecticut. We didn't really realize what we were up against. We thought we were there to help a young lady who set her free of this demonic torment. We didn't know that it was going to be our first encounter with Baal Barith. We didn't know the power that was involved in this situation, and it was a lot of power, so much so that what we did in Woodbury, Connecticut, triggered a response in Providence, Rhode Island, um, hours and and miles away. I should have looked it up. I wasn't prepared to tell the story. At the exact moment, a manifestation of power and retaliation simultaneously as we were in one place in another our batteries got wiped out. Our, our, it was just the first experience of that. And so we decided we were hungry. Finding a place that was open at that time of night was not easy. We finally found there was a McDonald's, I think was still open. And it was just, all he had to do was go to the light, make a left, turn into the parking lot. <laughs> we got into the parking lot. Joe's driving. It's his car, his van. And basically, we start going in circles. He kept trying to turn towards the McDonald's. He couldn't figure it out. He couldn't get his body to do what he wanted it to do. And then we called it looping because we were going in a loop, which he's told the story that stayed with him for days. 
he was, you know, playing in a band and trying to practice, and he couldn't even do a four beat. He couldn't play because that kind of power fries you. Folks, that was nothing compared to what is manifesting right now. We have got to get this right. We have got to walk carefully with our eyes open, and we have to be living the gospel. Paul said it's shameful even to speak of the things which are done by them in secret. He's talking about the secret heathen rites that was being done in the darkness of caves that were so disgusting and depraved they they didn't even talk about him publicly. And of course, the Holy Spirit inspires Paul to write this. Basically, what he's talking about is sin. Well, let's get real. Do you think, like uh, if you know the story about Jeffrey Epstein and his island in the Caribbean and what on, what went on there, do you think that's the only island in the world that young underage girls were brought to to be taken advantage of by older, rich, powerful, famous men? No. No, 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 no. They're everywhere. They're in giant estates. They're in uh, uh, national parks. Look up the Bohemian Grove and what goes on there. Folks, the wealthy and the elite and these kind of people that have existed since Babylon to Ephesus to now, they're still there. These uh, Aleutian and Bacchanalian rites are still going on just in different forms. That's what he's referring to. They were performed in the darkness of night, so immoral, so disgusting that the Roman Senate passed laws to banish them from Italy. But they still went on in the smaller towns in southern Italy away from Rome. They were religious uh, rituals of wine and women and perversion and uh, sexual orgies lewd professions, uh, processions and ceremonies. Oh, you know what? Kind of like we see in Greenwich Village and some of the other cities in Brazil when they have carnival. Come on. Where do you think all that comes from? Plato wrote that he saw the entire population of Athens drunk at one of these festivals. And that word bacchanalian well, based on uh, the festival of Bacchus, it's an adjective to describe the revel, the revelry and the drunkenness, the riotous drinking and orgiastic festivity. Tied to the Greco, Greco-Roman god Bacchus or Dionysus, the wine god, who was the god of wine, the god of ecstasy, the god of terror. He was the mad god because the madness that came from the hallucinogenic drugs they drank. Now, why am I going into this detail? That's what Paul's talking about. That's what he's pointing out to the church in Ephesus. Hey, don't go back to this. Don't even look at it. Don't participate in it. Rather, expose it. How do you expose it? Well, you can stand there with a flashlight or spotlight or a giant placard and say, this is what's going on here. And more than likely, that'll either get you killed or in this day and age, you'll get arrested because the laws are on their side. There's no justice. Who do you think controls the courts? I won't go there. That's 
that's something I would have done on Reflections in the Dark, but for my own safety, the Lord has shut all that down. But to say this, all of this stuff is going on today, 2024. How do we deal with this? First of all, you pray. You pray against it. You pray for the people that are being trapped in it, the young girls that are being trafficked or kidnapped, young young girls and boys. I'm sorry, it's it's both. That's why they're held in secret, because they're so depraved. And initially it was just from women. You can figure that out for yourself. Then eventually they added the men and the celebration instead of being from three days once a year, went on five times a month. That's how that kind of thing goes. Read your eyewitness account. And when I read this to you, I want you to think of 2024. I want you to think that right now, somewhere in America, some wealthy mansion, maybe in Beverly Hills, I've heard and shared some of what I've been told about what goes on at these events, big-name people, famous people that you would recognize. But this eyewitness account of this Bacchanalian event, there was no crime, no deed of shame, no wanting. More uncleanness was committed by men with men than with women. Who would, whoever would not submit to defilement or shrank from violating others was sacrificed as a victim. To regard nothing as impious or criminal was the sum total of their religion. The men, as though seized with madness, because of what they drank, with frenzied distortions of their bodies, shrieked out prophecies. The matrons, dressed as Bacchae, the hair disheveled, rushed down to the Tiber River with burning torches, plunged them into the water, then drew them out again, the flame undiminished because they were made of sulfur mixed with lime. That was their symbolic way of saying, you can't put out what we're doing. Men were fastened to a machine and hurried off to hidden caves. And they were said to have been taken away by the gods. These were the men who refused to join their conspiracy or take part in their crimes or to submit to their pollution. Again, look up Bohemian Grove. Videos on YouTube about it. And I'm not asking you to fill your mind with this, but if you don't believe me, the evidence is there. You don't believe me, there are plenty of documentaries on Netflix about what has gone on in Vatican City and the little the girls that disappear. What has gone on in, in uh, public uh, political places. Famous people, they get away with the things they do because they have better lawyers and more money and they control the judges. Hasatan is the god of this world. And while I do not fear him, I respect the power that he has amassed for himself, and I deal with it accordingly. So to reprove that, how do we reprove that? How do we testify against it? How do we convince and rebuke them of what they're doing? You do it with the gospel. You do it with Yeshua. These are the fruitless deeds of darkness that we're called to expose for the sake of setting people free. That's how Shelley, Pastor Shelley, did it with me. He didn't get in my face as some people did, the Bible thumpers. First, he did it with love. He did it with compassion. 
but he also did it with knowledge. So we do that through sharing the gospel. We do that through standing against these things, through intercessory prayer. I've taught this in the past. It's been a while. But there's a prayer I pray that pretty much never fails. And the prayer is this. For every hidden thing to be revealed, no matter what it is, no matter who it exposes. Sometimes it's immediate. More often than not, there's a period of time that it takes to get to the exposure. But the fact is, he will. And the Lord talks about that in Matthew 10 and Luke 12 from two perspectives. One is what he tells his disciples to say. But I also believe another one is he exposes everything that goes on. Matthew 10, 20, uh, Matthew 10, verses 24 through 27. A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for a disciple that he be like his teacher and a servant like his master. If they've called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more will they call those of his household? Therefore, do not fear them. For there is nothing covered that will not be revealed and hidden that will not be known. For whatever I tell you in the dark, speak in the light. And whatever you hear in the ear, preach on the rooftops. Do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. But rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. So he's teaching his disciples to fear God instead of man. But then in Luke 12, I see a different spin. Maybe it was the way Luke saw it. Maybe it was a different time. I don't know. There's nothing so carefully concealed that it will not be revealed, nor so hidden that it will not be made known. For that reason, whatever you had said, whatever you have said in the dark will be heard in the light, and whatever you have whispered behind closed doors will be be proclaimed on the housetops. I say to you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body after they have nothing more that they can do. After that, there's nothing more they can do. They can't take your soul. Shout it from the rooftops. Publicize it. Communicate it. In our case, well, you, for the most part, it's Tell the truth. Tell the truth about the gospel. Tell the truth about Yeshua. Tell the truth about what's going on in the world. There is a way out. There is hope. In my case, in my testimony, both with what I do with SRT, it's confronting these things. It's exposing them. It's standing in the gap for the people that have been stolen and taken. It's going into the darkness to find that sheep, that lamb that has wandered away before the wolves can destroy them. Now more than ever, I believe that is needed. And do this, knowing that the time is high time to awake out of our sleep. For our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, 
not in strife and envy. But put on, clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus, the Messiah, and make no provisions for the flesh to fulfill its lust. The Roman church, just like the church of today, was asleep. They weren't living the dynamic life of a believer in Yeshua. They were supposed to be setting an example of righteous living, but they weren't doing that, just like the church today isn't doing that. Look at the amount of demonic occult activity and interest in the world today. Look at the the people that your sons and your daughters and your children are worshiping or following or giving their money to. People that stand up and claim that they're Christians, but then show the exact opposite. They make videos that are satanic. They, they, They get up on stage with people that are overt Satanists. We saw it this weekend at the Super Bowl. People in the suite of a very famous person, I won't say her name, but you know what I'm talking about. In the background, this girl's wearing an upside-down cross, and she's doing some kind of satanic movements with her hands, and the other person with her is doing the, the satanic horns down. And it, it, Come on. Millions of people saw that. How many people noticed it, understood it, and were offended by it? We have got to tell the truth. We need to live a life that tells the truth. We need to live a life of the daily expectation in both the joy and the fear of the Lord's return. Not fear for us, fear for our loved ones. Fear for those that have not made the right choice yet. 1 Peter 2, starting verse 11, Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, Abstain from fleshly lust which war against the soul, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works which they observe glorify God in the day of visitation. Let them tell the world what you did. Let them tell the world that you read a scripture or opened your Bible or did just because the world says it's against the law. As Peter and John said to the the Pharisees and the Sadducees, um, whether it's better to obey God or man, we're going to obey God. And until the church is removed and the times of the Messiah are over by the second because of the second coming, the dispensation of the Holy Spirit and the powers that go with it are still in effect. They would have to be for us to get this job done. Hebrews 2.4, God also bearing witness both with signs and wonders, with various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. That's what confirms the word. The signs don't precede the word. They don't replace the word. They follow the word to confirm the word. The reason his word needs miracles, signs, and wonders, which are supernatural, Because the thing that's resisting his word is supernatural as well. We generically call it the powers of darkness. It's not one fallen angel. It's an entire kingdom of supernatural beings. We do not wrestle against what? Flesh and blood. 
but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Ephesians 6.12. You should know that by art. What are we wrestling for? What are the trophies? It's the souls of the lost. That's why SRT was founded on that scripture. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. And that's what we do. We expose them. We confront them. We set the captives free. We redeem the land. The mysteries of the heathen which take place in dark secret places, the works of darkness. For people that if they don't get set free are obliged to an eternity of pain and death and suffering. That's why we make the gospel manifest. We make it apparent. We make it evident. We make it visible. We do that by being what? Imitators of God, as Paul said. Children imitate their parents. We should imitate our father. We should imitate his words, his nature, his graces, his spirit, his ways. We should imitate his love. Yes, he's going to judge them, but not because he wants to, but because he has to. That's why Paul said to the church um, in Colossians 1, starting verse 9, For this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you. I don't cease to pray for you. And to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power, for all patience and long suffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. That's us. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of his love in him in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. He's rescued us. He's called us. He's drawn us to himself from the dominion of darkness. And then he transferred us from that kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption because of his sacrifice, because of the blood which results in the forgiveness of and the blotting out of our sins, the cancellation of sin's penalty in our life. Living in the light means we, you and I, are his agents of change and disclosures of the workings of the enemy. We won't back down, and we won't shrink from the calling because we if we don't do this, others lost in the darkness cannot find their way out. 
That's how you pray. You have a loved one that's still in the darkness? Pray for them to find their way out. Pray for them to see the light. Father, we live in a serious time and you are a serious God. We ask you to bestow upon us your concern, your love, your feeling for your children at this moment. Let our hearts feel what you feel. Let our eyes see what you see. Let our ears hear what you hear. Let us understand this word better. But most of all, Holy Spirit, help us to shine. Help us to to emanate, to manifest the light and the love and the glory of Messiah. Lord, we know that you don't just get us. You got us. You saved us. You redeemed us. You empowered us. You called us. And you sent us. So we go. We go in your name. We go with your love. And we go knowing that someday soon there'll be no more darkness. There'll be no more pain, no more suffering. Only you. But until then, help us. And anyone suffering right now, maybe it's a besetting sin. Maybe there's something going on in their life that they just can't get a handle on. Well, you can. You can help them. You can show them where the root is. You can make it wither and die. Holy Spirit, that's what I ask right now for anybody dealing with something that is so firmly bound in them. I just pray in the name of Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus, the Messiah, that those roots wither and die and that weed in their life be gone. Shine your glory down upon them from the throne room itself and set them free. I pray all these things. In Yeshua's name, amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord, may Adonai, make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord, Adonai, Yeshua, HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah, lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace, give you shalom. I'm Richard Grund. This has been The Porch on Firefall Talk Radio.